even though mercury is the most toxic non-radioactive heavy metal on the planet, and I will tell you is one of the direct reasons for a lot of neurologic diseases causing and worsening multiple sclerosis, Alzheimer's, the whole gamut, the toxicity of the typical root canal tooth is far, far worse. Welcome, you're on air with Ella, where we share simple strategies and truths from people who are doing something better than we are. Whether it's wellness or fitness and fat loss to just living better and with more energy, or changing your mindset to accomplish more in your own life and succeeding however you define it. This is where we share the best of what we're learning from the experts, and we're learning more every day. Live better, start now. Hey everyone, you're on air with Ella, and today I'm joined by Dr. Thomas Levy. Dr. Levy is a board-certified cardiologist and a bar-certified attorney. After practicing adult cardiology for 15 years, he began to research the enormous toxicity associated with much dental work. He's now written 10 books. His books address the important roles of dental toxicity and nutrition and disease and health, and that is why he is here today. Dr. Levy, welcome to On Air with Ella. Thank you for having me, Ella. First of all, we have only touched on how oral health can actually relate to increased risk to disease state and or when you take care and manage your oral health, that that can actually reduce your risk of disease state. But Dr. Levy, I was really keen to get you on because you are, as I said, a board certified cardiologist that makes you an MD and interestingly, an attorney with your JD. How did that come about? Well, that happened because I started working 20 years ago with Dr. Huggins. Uh, I don't know if you're aware of him. He's a dentist. He's since passed, but he had done a lot to get mercury out of people's mouths, and he also did a lot of research on root canals. Anyway, I had gotten together with him some 20 years ago, gave up my cardiology practice because of how impressed I was with what he was doing, and after working with him for about a year... I saw that he had a lawyer on retainer because of the nonstop attacks on him and what he was trying to do. And I had the time, I had the money, and I had the inclination. So I thought, well, why not get a law degree and perhaps take myself off the firing line? So this topic that we're going to jump into today is very controversial, but you're pointing out that it's more than controversial. People's careers have been destroyed over talking about this issue with their patients. Is that right? Well, careers have been destroyed. Uh, Dr. Kulatz covers how he's my co-author in this book, how his... uh, career was completely destroyed by basically giving people their best treatment and their best dental therapy. It's it's a sad situation. I mean, basically, it doesn't matter whether it's money or politics or any endeavor that there is on the planet. Make no doubt about it and do not be deluded. Money rules the roost. And if you are proposing or supporting something that potentially takes millions or even billions of dollars out of some business uh, business's pocket, don't expect that they're going to play nicely. Dr. Levy, what we're talking about today is your book, Toxic Tooth, and not just the book, really, Dr. Levy. That's just a culmination of a lot of work that you've done in this area. Really just want to get into a very, very specific topic, and that is do root canal treatments increase risk of disease or cause problems that we're otherwise relatively ignorant to? First, can you tell us what a root canal is and why people have them? A root canal is generally done because the patient has pain in the tooth, and that pain generally is because the tooth has become 
infected and even abscessed. And rather than extract the tooth, uh, they basically go into the top of the tooth and literally core out the pulp of the tooth, which is basically the soft living part of the tooth, the nerves, the blood supply, the lymphatics, the connective tissues. They take all of that out. If there is any infection present, they drain it. It does not get sterilized. It gets drained. And then because of the fact that they took out the nerves as well as everything else, well, guess what? Nerves are what conduct pain. So basically, they treat the infection by taking away the pain, but they don't take away the infection. Okay, and therein lies the problem, right? When you perform a root canal, you're saying that it leaves an infection in that spot and or it allows an infection to develop. Only 100% of the time. <laughs> and I, I say this because Dr. Huggins, in conjunction with Dr. Boyd Haley at the University of Kentucky some, oh, 17, 18 years ago, got together and Dr. Huggins had dentists from across the country supply Dr. Haley with extracted root canal treated teeth from a wide variety of patients. Dr. Huggins, excuse me, Dr. Haley tested all of these teeth with a very elegant titration against human enzymes <clears throat> in which he was able to demonstrate when over 5,000 root canal treated teeth were submitted to him, 100% of them had highly potent toxins inside of them. And just so somebody doesn't think there was contamination from the mouth, they also submitted a few orthodontically extracted teeth so that uh, these are basically normal teeth to take out because the jaw is too crowded. And these were completely sterile. The root canal is what uh, Dr. Kulatz and I have called a fatally flawed procedure. It's fatally flawed because even though it might achieve the goal of relieving pain, it leaves a Trojan horse stealth infection inside your mouth for as long as it's there. And that infection is sealed off insofar as antibiotics can't reach it and kill it. Is that correct? Well, yes, and it's only logical because we started out by talking about <clears throat> the root, the procedure itself takes out the pulp of the tooth. Well, a lot of people, a lot of doctors even, if you will, speak about the immune system almost in the abstract, but the immune system is a very real, very physical thing. It consists of specific substances, specific cells, and these substances, these cells, these lymphocytes, they need a physical matrix to get from point A to point B. And you've basically taken away the connective tissue and the nerves and the blood supply. The immune system no longer has access to any infection that develops in that tooth. And if you don't have access to it, you obviously can't resolve it. So Dr. Hal Huggins purported that teeth with root canals were, quote, much worse than the mercury vapor from an amalgam-filled tooth. Can you speak to that and maybe explain to people what, what the danger of mercury is in the first place when they get these fillings? Sure, no question. And Dr. Huggins was spot on. As alarming as that statement may be, it's true. Even though mercury is the most toxic, non-radioactive heavy metal on the planet, and I will tell you is one of the direct reasons for a lot of neurologic diseases causing and worsening multiple sclerosis, Alzheimer's, the whole gamut, by the same token, 
the toxicity of the typical root canal tooth is far, far worse. Uh, these toxins that I told you that Dr. Haley was able to test in these teeth, oftentimes when tested against their ability to neutralize critical enzymes in the body that relate to the production of energy, found that some of these teeth had toxins 100 to 1,000 fold more toxic than botulism toxin, botulinum. And even though it's almost a joke these days about movie stars and other people de doing Botox, most people in medicine appreciate that botulism and botulinum toxin is currently recognized as the most toxic substance known to modern medicine. And here we're saying oftentimes you run into toxins that are 100 to 1,000 fold more toxic when measured with regard to how quickly they can inactivate a critical enzyme in the body. Okay, let's break this down for everybody. What's the problem with mercury fillings? Mercury fillings, modern dentistry, traditional dentistry would have you believe that somehow the mercury is magically fixed inside the filling. And so that even though everybody acknowledges how toxic mercury is, uh, they say, well, it's been rendered inert because of the chemical reaction inside the filling. Well, that's not the case. And in point of fact, it can be readily demonstrated both by uh, scientific evidence as well as actually video they've taken because when you look at this with the right, with the right exposure on uh, uh, different types of photographic film, you can see mercury vapor continuing to come out of the filling. So it's not remotely fixed inside the filling. It continues to come out. Uh, and this is also why when people get mercury fillings taken out, you really need to have a dentist with experience on how to do it because when you drill out that filling, you generate a huge amount of vapor in the extraction process and both the patient and the dentist need to be properly protected against that additional large mercury vapor exposure during the extraction process. Yeah, and I have to say that this information was considered highly, highly controversial in recent history and now it's becoming so hard to dispute that I do see it this is anecdotal but i do see it creeping into the sort of the public consciousness and i mean any dentist who removes mercury fillings is in like a hazmat suit to do this dr levy that's right and even though things proceed in by what i call micro incrementalism tiny step by tiny step we have, as you pointed out, finally reached the point, and I think this point was reached maybe 10 years ago, where the majority, greater than 50% of dentists, at least in the United States, no longer put in mercury fillings. So that was a, a major milestone, especially when you consider the fact that their official organization, the American Dental Association, still would not openly recognize the toxicity of mercury within that. 50% of the dentists voluntarily of their own initiative finally decided they no longer wanted to deal with mercury. Dr. Levy, does the ADA recognize mercury as toxic now, or is that still the same? It's, it's still the same. Okay. The American Dental Association maintains the same position it had 50 years ago. And because so many of us have had mercury fillings, even more so than root canals, I definitely, obviously, will come back to root canals. But let's spend a moment here, Dr. Levy, because there are a great many people who may still have them. And if they do, what should they do? 
Well, you know, a lot of it is a practical thing with regard to financial resources. Dentistry for a lot of people is a very expensive proposition in addition to just being something they don't want to have done. And although it's very important, if possible, to find a biological dentist who knows how to deal with the toxicity of mercury to get your mercury correctly taken out and have good restorations put in, by the same token, and this is what I want to emphasize since we are bringing up the subject of root canals, and we'll get into a little more detail in a moment, I'm sure, be aware that if you have a limited amount of funds, you're going to do yourself a whole lot more good getting rid of your root canals, root canal or root canals than you are any amount of mercury because that's how much more toxic the root canals are combined with the fact that the root canals have a delivery system. I mean, these things get infected, they produce toxins, they have pathogens, and then when they're, when they're in your chewing teeth, what do you think happens when you chew down? You squeeze with huge pressure all of those toxins directly into the draining lymphatics and veins, just as if you took a syringe and directly injected it into the blood. So people should not waste a large amount of money getting uh, six mercury amalgams taken out and leave their root canal in. Uh, if it's a matter of economy. Okay, last question on mercury fillings. What if they don't have a root canal and they do in fact have mercury fillings? What is the right replacement to ask for? There's a lot involved in getting mercury fillings taken out in as least minimally toxic a fashion as possible. I say minimally, minimally because there's there's no way to completely eliminate the exposure. So you need to find a dentist that has experience in taking out mercury fillings, that uh, uses a rubber dam, has good filters in the operatory, and probably uh, even more importantly is aware of how to give you uh, agents. And one of the agents is vitamin C. I first learned about vitamin C from Dr. Huggins because all these patients that would get mercury out would usually have a 50-gram infusion of vitamin C going into their arm at the same time. Uh, in this way, the vitamin C could virtually meet the mercury that got absorbed into the blood and neutralize the mercury before it ever got into the tissues. That's how potent and how effective vitamin C is. So there's no way for somebody to know everything they need to do. So what they need to do is just make sure they find a dentist that has the highest amount of experience uh, in this type of extraction. Uh, probably a good source is the uh, International Organization of uh, Biological Medicine and uh, Oral Medicine and Toxicology. One is IAOMT.org, and they would have a referral system for dentists there. Okay, IAOMT.org. I'll link to that in the show notes, Dr. Levy. Okay, so let's go back to root canals then. Why is it so hard to disinfect a root canal treated tooth. And you did touch on this, but just like help us understand the problem statement before we get into viable solutions here. Well, first of all, even if you were able to sterilize or disinfect a root canal, which I'll say you can't, but let's say for the sake of argument that you could, you've taken away the nerve and the pulp and the blood supply, the basically vitality of the tooth. And when you do that, you start to have a natural influx of all the pathogens that are from that are in the mouth directly through the tooth into the inside of the pulp. So the point being is if you had a tooth that you were able to somehow sterilize, it would not stay sterilized for very long. So 
I mean, things like ozone and all, these are absolutely wonderful modalities, but they can't compensate for altered physiology. When you take away the natural defense mechanism of the tooth, even if you could sterilize the tooth, it will not stay sterilized. And I say even if you could because Dr. Weston Price some 50 years ago, who first found out about all this toxicity, actually did his level best with a root canal treated tooth to sterilize it outside of the body and he was not able to do so. That's how deep these pathogens uh, get inside the many miles, it literally miles, I don't say that figuratively, the many miles of dentinal tubules that are present inside a tooth, the pathogens can literally line up their single file. So you just can't sterilize the tooth and even if you could, it would not stay sterilized because you took away the capacity of the tooth to defend itself against any new pathogens to which it's introduced. And of course, the mouth is as is teeming with microorganisms virtually more than anywhere else in the body. What are some of the conditions that you've seen or observed in these studies result from having this type of infection? Just about everything. In the book, and this is what this is the reason why Dr. Kulas and I wrote this book, because we had written another one called The Roots of Disease 12 years ago. And in the past three or four years, the smoking gun evidence finally came in. There's been a lot of data for a long period of time showing root canals are associated with this disease, linked to that disease, correlated to that disease. But there were no studies where you could just say, X cause Y cause Z. Well, in, two, in 2013, a group of Finnish researchers, Finland, got together with the cardiologists at their institution. The cardiologists saw patients who had acute myocardial infarctions, heart attacks, and with interventional angiography, they actually went in and suctioned out the blood clot that had completely occluded the blood vessel to cause the heart attack and gave these blood clots to these researchers to test. They had a very refined technology called PCR, polymerase chain reaction testing, and they were able to show that 80% of the time, these blood clots had a huge concentration of the same pathogens that are found in root canals because they found the same DNA present. And not only was it present in these blood clots, it was present at a 16-fold higher concentration than the blood. So... No person, perhaps except an endodontist who does, wants to protect his or her root canal procedure against any possible uh, undermining, no person could possibly look at this evidence and say this is a correlation. This is a causation. You just don't suddenly concentrate pathogens that are uniquely located inside the mouth, inside the blood clot that acutely forms to cause a heart attack, and say it's just some sort of coincidence. That's cause and effect. That's the smoking gun. This all comes together to basically show that the direct cause of an acute myocardial infarction nearly 90% of the time comes from the pathogens found inside the root canal treated tooth or infected gums. Dr. Levy, there's discussion amongst the breast cancer world, the people who are vested in reducing our risk of breast cancer or who have pursued non-traditional means of healing themselves or, you know, basically bucked convention. And it's still considered fringe. 
But there's a lot of discussion in the breast cancer world that root canals increase your re- your risk of breast cancer and or at least, and again, this is anecdotally speaking, at least coming from me, that when patients have their root canals removed, some of the anomalies in their breast tissue go away. Is that is that something that you can speak to anecdotally or if you're aware of any recent studies? Well, I'm glad you asked that question. And I will just tell you that it's my firm belief based on what I'm going to tell you subsequently, that is the primary cause of breast cancer as well, but I don't have the same smoking gun evidence. Now, Dr. Pesci, the same group that looked at these pathogens inside the blood clots, also, interestingly enough, looked at uh, people who had strokes and ruptured cerebral aneurysms. They found the same pathogens in those aneurysms. They also looked at autopsy patients with coronary artery disease, and they found the same pathogens inside the pericardial fluid inside those patients. Now, you have shared lymphatics between your teeth and the breasts, okay? So every time you squeeze these pathogens into the blood supply, they get into the circulation, they make their way to the coronary artery, and then in the same fashion, you squeeze them in the lymphatics, and they get directly down into the breast. There are even circumstances where when you look at thermography, you can actually see the increased temperature coming from root canal infected teeth and streaking their way directly down into the breast. There's absolutely no question in my mind, and I have to say it's anecdotal because I don't have a big study for you, but I've had multiple patients now that have either seen me or doctors that have talked to me or friends or relatives, you name it, quite a number, who develop breast cancer. And when you can get the root canals out, you have a good chance of not only putting the breast cancer into remission, you actually have a good chance of doing that dirty word called curing it. And uh, it just uh, seems to inflame a lot of people to even use that term when it comes to cancer. But cancer is, is no different from any other disease. If you take away the ongoing factors that are causing it to be present and at the same time stimulate and support the immune system, cancer can be cured just like any other disease. Most of the time, with most people, you're unable to completely stop the new toxin exposure they have on a daily basis. So oftentimes, the best you can do is to put a disease, a cancer, into submission or into a subclinical state. But bottom line is, is if you can take away these enormously potent toxins that drain their way directly down into the breasts, you can resolve, however you want to determine, uh, define that word resolve, you can resolve a huge number of breast cancers and not fear recurrence. Yeah, I mean, I get I get that you have to be careful here, and, and I, I suppose I do too, so I guess I should tell everybody that I'm not a doctor, and I'm not here to treat or diagnose you, and Dr. Levy is not diagnosing you via a podcast, but I guess that it's a little bit scary, Dr. Levy, because the ADA does not like this conversation, and I don't know, I don't know what the endodontist organization is, but this must be, it, root canals are the mainstay of their business, right? Yes, and a point needs to be made about the ADA. The ADA is not a science-based organization. They are a trade organization that is strictly dedicated to the best interests of dentists, whatever those interests are defined. It's not interested in doing anything or causing any sort of science change. It's there to represent the dentist, just like a union is there to represent its workers. The union is not there to parse through science, parse through data. They're there to strictly represent 
the vested financial and professional interests of its members in the same way with the ADA. The endodontists, I mean, what can you expect there? What will you expect from any group of professional people who make their living doing something, and then you come along and say, well, the thing that you're doing year in, year out, making 95% of your income uh, is causing a huge amount of disease and you shouldn't do it anymore. Do you really think they're going to embrace that? And and it's even understandable, but... I just hope that by sharing some of this information and sharing some of this science that we can maybe start a groundswell movement for people to at least educate themselves and at least know what questions to ask and search for their own symptoms. So I suppose that's the only goal here, Dr. Levy. Let me ask you this. If you've had a root canal, you've said a very bold statement. You've said it's infected. Most, if not every single root canal is infected to some degree. Am I, am I quoting you correctly? No, I said all of them, not most of them. (laughs) Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Should you be facing the decision? If someone tells you that this is a recommended procedure for you, what is your next step? Well, that's a good, good point to segue into because I also want to make it clear to anybody that's listening to us talk today is that I'm completely for total freedom of choice in medicine. So if a dentist wants to do a root canal and if the patient is properly educated as to the risks of the root canal, by all means, the patient should have the right to do it. There are a lot of patients out there that under no circumstances want a tooth removed and once they're told of all the data and an informed consent, well, that you may be taking this risk. Uh, We do have data now that shows very clearly that when you have a root canal, one or more root canals in your mouth, you have an increased risk of heart attack, period. Now, uh, by the same token, are there some 95-year-old men and women out there that have had root canals for uh, 10, 15, 20, 25 years and they've lived healthy lives? Yes, biology is not homogeneous. Everybody's not the same. Everybody doesn't have the same potency of their immune system. So all you can say is, here's the data, uh, patient X. If you want this procedure, it's like anything else. If you get any other medical procedure, you have an informed consent. And you're told about the percent possibility of this, the percent possibility of that. I mean, you should never, never, never get a procedure where your informed consent is the doctor or the, the physician or the dentist just says, well, this is what you need to have done. Open your mouth. And that's exactly what I did for the first three decades of my life. So, <laughs> yay. Well, let me say this. Uh, let, me, let me go on to one other point uh, so that we, we don't miss out on this because it's a very important point that I really only came into uh, awareness of um, roughly a month or so at another conference. And that is the importance of normal thyroid status. This may look like we're going way out in the left field, but let me just say that An enormous number of people have root canals. Virtually, uh, not virtually, most of the ones that actually have heart attacks have root canals, but you can't flip it around and say that most people that have root canals have heart attacks. It's an important differentiation. And in that regard, uh, in the 1970s, a Dr. Broda Barnes, who worked with thyroid, uh, treated a large number of patients with thyroid extract, over 1,500. They were older patients, He followed them for 20 years. He didn't modify diet, smoking, anything else. 
And when he treated them effectively with thyroid hormone, only four out of 1,500 had heart attacks. And when you compare this to the Framingham study, which statistically looked at the same sort of uh, breakdown of people for different diseases and different mortalities, you would have predicted 75 of those people would have had heart attacks. Now, like the rest of the population, undoubtedly a substantial number of those people had root canals, but it would appear that normalizing thyroid function gave them a significant protection against the toxicity and the infectious nature of the root canal. I mean, I would still never recommend somebody having a root canal because it's an unnecessary challenge to your immune system. But when thyroid function is brought back to a normal state, you get an incredible increase in longevity in general and protection against cardiac disease. The, the, the kicker here, though, is that, and this is going to make it complicated for a lot of people, I understand, is that probably most people are mildly hypothyroid and don't know it, and the regular thyroid tests do not reveal it. So you need to have a clinician that knows how to evaluate you clinically, look at uh, subsets of thyroid testing like reverse T3, and be able to make a determination that you might benefit from a small amount of thyroid hormone because basic regular thyroid studies are next to worthless. Well, and we have had some experts on the show and we will have more who talk about how to address thyroid health even through natural means. So this is actually a very useful connection for you to make for us, Dr. Levy. And by the way, I'd never heard the thyroid mentioned in this topic at all. So that's news to me. No, it's, it's very critical. I mean, uh, low thyroid function increases all-cause mortality. High thyroid function increases all-cause all mortality. So the thyroid is something, thyroid hormone, that affects every single cell in your body. And it's extremely critical to get it right if you want anything else you're doing to have its optimal effect. Well, and people really don't know. They don't know when they're having thyroid trouble necessarily until it hits an extreme range. And it's hard to figure out who to trust and who to be able to rely on to, to let you know if it is functioning in that sweet spot that you're that you're talking about. I think that's so challenging and so frustrating for a lot of people. They're like, well, I don't even know if this is my problem, but if I wanted to find out, I don't even know how to find out well. I don't know if I'm getting the right resource or not. You know, I agree. It's, it's a horrible problem. I don't have an easy solution. I just need to tell people that you really need to educate yourself as best as possible. Be aware of what's going on in your body as best as possible. Always deal with physicians and healthcare practitioners who are not only open to your questions, but welcome your questions. If you want to ask something and you have a physician or a dentist that, that just wants to make you feel stupid or shut you up, you need to find another one. Okay. So you need to have, there are a limited number of them, but you need to have healthcare practitioners with whom you can engage in a healthy dialogue. Okay, it's, it's your health we're talking about, not their health, and you have the right to know as much as possible as you can about what's going on, and you also have a right to know how much or how little your healthcare practitioner may know about a certain, a certain situation so that you may see fit to get consultations or bring in second opinions where needed. It's unfortunately a big muddle right now, but what I can comfortably say to the people who are listening, it's my humble opinion that if you just pick a doctor willy-nilly, pick a dentist willy-nilly and say, here's my warm body, do with it what you will, you're going to suffer severe consequences. 
Yeah, I think if if we take nothing else away from this other than the concept that it is our responsibility to take care of ourselves and our responsibility to find practitioners that will engage in a healthy dialogue with us, that that is worth the price of admission. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) So let me ask you this. I have two big questions remaining. The first one is, what do you do if you are do for a root canal procedure. In other words, if you're a candidate for a root canal procedure, that means that you have a dead tooth, right? Like you have to do something if your your tooth is damaged by trauma or whatnot. So so what are your options? You can you can do nothing, I suppose. You could have the tooth extracted, I suppose, and just leave the space empty. What are the other options available <clears throat> to us? Well if you have an infected or dead tooth which would probably be your two primary indications for a root canal. The the only thing that's in the best interest of your health, not necessarily the cosmetic features of your face, but the thing that's in the best interest of your health is to get that tooth extracted and to get it extracted properly. Uh, This is also covered in the book because there are a limited number of dentists out there who are not familiar with everything I'm talking about, but they are open-minded And they are interested in working with their patients. And in that regard, Dr. Kulats put a section together in the book with specific instructions to the open-minded dentist who is willing to change a little bit as to how to properly take these teeth out. Because if you don't take them out right, you leave in an enormous amount of toxicity. And even though the patient will still be better off as a result of the extraction, they will still develop or can likely develop problems in the future if the extraction was not done correctly. So, but in direct answer to your question, the tooth needs to come out. It needs to be extracted properly. Appropriate supportive measures need to be done. And you need to let good healthy bone grow back into the socket. I say this because one of the most common replacement procedures these days are dental implants. Now, Dr. Huggins and I saw a lot of implants that caused a lot of problems in a lot of people. But I must say, this was because the implants were done in the, quote, traditional fashion. And what's the traditional fashion? The traditional fashion is they yank the tooth out. They don't clean out the socket. Within either the same day or a few days to or weeks later, are putting in the implant directly through area that already still has infection in it. So you're almost assuring a bad outcome. On the other hand, when the extraction is done correctly, the socket is cleaned out correctly, you put in a lot of healing agents, and six months down the road after you filled in good, solid, healthy bone, you proceed with the implant procedure, and the patient is very fastidious with a lot of attention to gum care, you can have a good long-term virtually non-toxic procedure. So you can have, as you mentioned, uh, if it's not in a bad place, you can leave a space and not do anything. You can do an implant. You can do a permanent bridge. Uh, You can do a partial plate, or if a lot of teeth are missing, you can do a full plate. Those are all your options. But the important thing is, is if you're interested in your long-term health, you have to get that enormous uh, hit on your immune system out of your mouth. Well, if somebody gets an implant, I've read that even some of the materials they're using for the implants can be toxic, which just brings you back to a very frustrating circle. What material do you like for the implants? 
Probably these days, zirconium is uh, one of your least reactive. I say least reactive because anything you put in the body that's not your own tissue is going to cause some sort of immune reactivity. The whole idea is to get yourself down into the area of minimal or least reactivity. Uh, And for most people, it it appears to be working out these days that that would be zirconium. But, you know... Uh, we deal with lots of things that get implanted in our bodies and our bodies will wall them off. You put a pacemaker in, you get a a fibrous shell that forms outside of it. The body has its ways of coping with these things. As long as you don't use the things that are highly toxic uh, and that are chemically reactive, you can usually get a very good long-term outcome because you're not going to find anything that is completely quote-unquote non-toxic to the body. That just doesn't really exist. Well, and I know titanium is very popular in the United States, and zirconium was used more in Europe. Are you finding that the U.S. is using more zirconium now? I, you know, I, I, don't, I don't have that information, so I, I, couldn't, I couldn't talk to that. Okay, okay, no worries. And now let's talk about treatment. Let's say somebody does have a root canal, and they aren't in a position to have it taken out in the next one to three years, or... God forbid, it's a front tooth. Not that I would know from personal experience or anything. Not that I swam into the wall doing butterfly stroke and took out my front tooth when I was 11 and had to have a root canal. (laughs) (laughs) But let's say a patient has a front tooth um, that they're just not ready to deal with. Again, hypothetically and reportedly, allegedly speaking. Or let's say that they just can't, for whatever reason, have a root canal done in the short term. What does immediate term treatment look like? You mentioned ozone. You mentioned vitamin vitamin C. Can we talk about both of those things and anything else that springs to mind? Well, if you have the right dentist, you can periodically get uh, ozone injections directly in and around the the root of the tooth uh, that helps deal with uh, infection, not resolve infection, helps deal with infection uh, and helps keep the infection from migrating. Okay. Uh, just like you have a cavitation where you used to have a, uh, ex- at an extraction site, these cavitations contain so- toxic substances. They can migrate and break down new bone, but with things like ozone, you can inhibit this process significantly. So uh, ozone can be used in that regard as a, you know, staving things off, if you will. How toxic a root canal is also depends, I would say, And again, you know, uh, there's no way to give anybody guarantees, but on the overall, a root canal on a front tooth is going to result in less systemic toxicity than a root canal on a molar. Because of the chewing? Because of the chewing. Okay. Because not only because of the chewing, but because of the physical amount. Uh, You could have a very large amount of infection sitting in your jawbone from a molar, and you have a single small canal uh, in front of one of your incisors. Uh, that also combined with the fact that, as you say, in the process of chewing, you might, in having a whole meal, use those incisors four or five times just to bite through something, but that incisor has nothing at all going on during the chewing process. So while I would be unable to give anybody that had an incisor root canal, you know, an absolute assurance that everything's going to be fine, I can certainly say, statistically speaking, that someone like that isn't going to have far less problems uh, than somebody that has a bunch of root canals in their molars. Okay. okay. So, so, so all of those are considerations. 
And ozone is not something we've ever talked about on the show before. And I will link to exactly what that is in the show notes. But can you just give us just the very, very brief overview on what that means? Because a lot of people, when they hear ozone, they think of our atmosphere and they think of, you know, aerosol hairsprays are bad for the ozone. They don't know what you're talking about when you talk about injecting ozone into your mouth. Well, uh, uh, ozone is uh, probably one of the most powerful uh, anti-pathogens there is as far as killing killing pathogens uh, and resolving infection. Uh, I, I might also mention it's extremely important to maintain as strong a presence of antioxidants as you can in your body because all infections, all toxins exert their damage by causing oxidation in the tissues, by causing molecules to lose their electrons, become oxidized. That's what toxicity is. And when you have a large body store of antioxidants, not just vitamin C, but uh, vitamins, the B vitamins, good levels of vitamin D and K, uh, all of these things are extremely important in how you deal with whatever your toxic load is on a daily basis. Uh, So all of these considerations are important. uh, And ultimately, you need to see how you feel. You need to track your blood work. Now, some people have problems and they won't have that. So, I mean, everybody's going to be different. Lab profiles are going to be different. Clinical profiles are going to be different. But it's that's why your biggest challenge here is finding some of the limited numbers of physicians who are familiar with these concepts and willing to work with you. That's the big challenge here, I would say. Okay, and I'll share the questions. I'll share some of the content that you provided in the Toxic Tooth book, the questions that they can ask their practitioners. And then is there an index of biological dentists? There, there must be. Well, on my website, peakenergy.com, on the front page in the right upper corner is find a dentist. And you click on that and there are a number of resources and other websites you can go to uh, that will help you find uh, a dentist that can work with you. But I want to say these are general references. I mean, this is not some sort of assurance that every dentist you find on that website is going to be uh, aware of everything I'm saying. It's just you're going into a subset of dentists that are more open and more aware of these concepts than others. So you still have to be the primary guardian of your health and your medical care and your dental care and make sure when you make an appointment that they're going to address the things you want to address, that if you have an extraction, they're going to take out the periodontal ligament and clean out the socket, or or that they're going to follow the instructions that we have inside the toxic tooth to get to best health care. Dr. Levy, thank you very much. You've given us a great deal to think about. I will link to all of the vast resources that you have named in the show notes for this episode at onairwithella.com. And if anyone wants to follow up with you or learn more about you and your work, where is the best place to find you, Dr. Levy? Well, there's my website, peakenergy.com, and I'm open to having people send me emails. They just need to realize I can't manage their clinical situation, but if you have one or two questions, I can certainly lead you to information resources, and that's televmd at yahoo.com. Oh, wow. That's very generous of you. Thank you very much. Dr. Levy, I appreciate you. Thank you. Okay. Thank you, Ella. Take care. Bye-bye. 
Okay, everyone, I hope you enjoyed today's show and got something out of it that you can use. If you did and you want to learn more, just go to onairwithella.com where I put up links to all of the good stuff that we talked about today and more information about our guests and all the good stuff that you did not need to write down today because I got you covered. Don't forget to join our Facebook page and thanks for those phenomenal reviews in iTunes. Every great review helps and we read every one. Thanks for listening and thanks for inspiring me. You are quite simply awesome.